This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. There's a swing and a drive to center by Ramos. Back and it goes Ellsbury to the wall. It is gone. Wilson Ramos with a two-run home run. And with one swing of the bat, he's given the Rays the lead. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning. Welcome to our latest show as the Rays look to wrap up a series with the Twins and a homestand on a high note. Today you'll hear from reliever Chaz Rowe about how he developed his slider. We'll chat with Arrestes Destrada of Fox Sports Sun. Look back with Johnny Field at his first week in the majors and much more. Well, we continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and our feature guest this week is one Chaz Rowe. Chaz, certainly appreciate a few minutes on the program. I know, you know, talking to fans, uh, they, they love the uniqueness and the way that you pitch. I'm kind of curious when the slider started for you and how it became um, such a, a unique slider um, and, and very difficult, obviously, for hitters. Well, it started, it started out as a curveball because I got drafted as a, uh, a starter, and I was my curveball. And... Since I get, went to the pen in 2012, I was in uh, independent ball, 2012. That's when I first year out of the pen, and that's when I, it kind of turned into a slider, and it's, it's worked for me ever since. Was there someone who taught it to you, or is there some? how did the, the grips, the, the look? I mean, it almost looks like, I don't know how often you played wiffle ball as a kid, but it's kind of got that look when you, when, you see, when you throw a really good one. Well, I actually started throwing it when I was like 12, and – it was real slow and loopy, and my brother was like, "Why don't you just try to throw that a little harder, you know?" And just and I just kind of messed with the grips a little bit, and it ended up turning into a hard, a hard curveball, and it had that real sharp bite, and it, it worked for me then, and it's worked for me since. So, it's certainly been a very good pitch for you so far this year. Um, you touched on, or you mentioned Laredo, um, an independent ball. You've been with ten different organizations plus independent ball. What was that independent ball experience like? Because I've been there too. Um, what was it like for you? Tell you the truth, I actually enjoyed it. it uh, I think it kind of helped me with my career. Um, you know, I actually went there and I had I had a lot of fun. Had a, a lot of good, good, good guys to play with, and uh, you know, I learned a lot. And I think it just it just helped me boost my career. To be honest with you, it uh, it just put everything in perspective, and and it just helped me push push even harder. It was the Laredo. Is it the Lemurs? Yeah, the, yeah, Laredo Lemurs down in Texas far from home but it was it was a good time I liked it how did it change you how you mean you said getting the fun back in the game where were you at mentally at that point and and what changed and who helped change it for you well like I said I was a starter uh most of my career and and I hated it I uh if I had a bad game I had to sit on it for four days and just think about it and I guess as a starter that's just that's not, probably not a good routine to get into and uh you know, going down there, and I just, I just, I just let go and have fun. I just forgot about all the mental part of the baseball, and I just had fun, and 
you know, had fun with all those, those guys down there, and it just got me back into to a kids game. Minor leagues, though, are tough. The independent ball can be even a little tougher in some ways. Longest bus ride you had in Laredo? It was like 15 hours, 14, 15 hours. Yeah, it's that's definitely something I wanted to try to stay with. But uh, I had, like I said, I had a good time. I learned a lot down there, and and uh, like I said, it put everything in perspective, and you know, helped me push a little harder to get to where I'm at now. And certainly in a in a good place right now. Were you always a baseball player? Because I know your dad played uh, football, uh, Donald at Kentucky, right? He did. He did. He played football at Kentucky. I played football growing up. My dad actually coached me in Pee Wee, and then uh, I played a little bit in high school, and I had a couple concussions, so I shut that down pretty quick. Or my dad shut that down pretty quick, and uh, I focused on baseball most mostly. I was going to ask if there was ever a choice, but it sounds like the choice was made for you. Yeah, yeah. Once I once I got into those couple concussions, my dad sat me down. I was like, "Hey, it's just, it's just not worth it." So, you know, I just started focus on uh, on baseball after that. Where'd you play? What position when you were a football player? I played quarterback a little bit, and then uh, free safety. So, was the, were the hits from the concussions at quarterback, or were they from dishing it out? And you hurt yourself. I like to say dishing it out for sure. <laughs> Again with us is Chaz Rowe on uh, This Week in Rays Baseball. And I saw your great uncle is uh, Bill Mazeroski, too. How often did you get to – how much did you get to know about him, and, and were you really aware of him and growing up? I was definitely aware of him. I never really got to sit down and talk to him much. Uh, I met him a couple times. I know he, his son – I think he – I don't know if he still coaches down here in the Gulf Coast, but uh, I met them a couple times, and he's a great guy. Um, there's a lot of history there and where I grew up with him and uh, it was just fun to be a part of that. Did you ever go watch and, and look at the old films of of him playing or have you? I have. I've seen a couple of them. Uh, he, he was definitely a good player. Uh, like I said, it was fun to watch. They have a statue of him, I think, at uh, over at the PNC Park. Mm-hmm. Been with a number, I mean, mentioned you've been with 10 different organizations. It seems like potentially you got a chance to really click here. Why do you like where you are right now, and how is it different maybe from other spots along the journey? Like I said, I have, I've had a lot of good spots coming through this journey, and uh, I think here's, like you said, is probably the best fit. I just I feel like everything clicks here. I get along with everybody, and, uh, I mean, I get along with almost everybody. I just, I'm just kind of laid back and don't talk much, but uh, I get along with Snyder really well. He knows me, and I, I mean, no, we, we communicate pretty well on that end. And you haven't been with him for that long. For people who don't know, you came over from Atlanta, middle to latter portion of last year. Why did it click with you? What made him unique? Did he remind you of any other pitching coach that you had before? He just he gives you all the tools, you know, that you need to, to succeed. And he's, he's, he just listens. He's there to help you out. He doesn't push anything on you. He might give you something. And then, uh, you know, if you don't like it, then he'll, he'll, he'll find the answer for you that you're looking for. And uh, I think somebody like that is huge in an organization. And uh, he, he's not the one guy that's trying to put a stamp on you. He, uh, he's there for you and only you, and he's going to help you any way he can. Because I would imagine that the biggest thing for a coach, whether it's pitching coach, hitting coach, is to develop that trust with a player and, and the belief that he is trying to do that. And it sounds like it was almost instantaneous for the two of you. Absolutely. Like, as soon as I walked in that Durham clubhouse, you know, we, I had a couple talks with him, and then right then I knew. I was like, he's, he's all in. And, and have somebody like that on your side it, it helps out a lot no doubt um it sounds like you had a pretty supportive dad too along the way i read in your bio that you used to what skip school once in a while to take fishing trips with him yeah he uh my, my brother part once a year during the summer we he let us skip school and he'll take us on a fishing trip 
and uh, you know, it was always I always look forward to that. It was a good time. So tell me what kind of fish you like to catch, um, big and the biggest fish you caught either on one of those trips or otherwise. I mostly we mostly freshwater fish. We bass. I'm a big bass guy. Uh, but the biggest one I ever caught was a 15-pound striper down in Alabama. My grandparents used to live down there. I caught one down there. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've recently just got into the saltwater fishing, and I love it, too. Snook, it's a, good, it's a lot of fun. So have you gone – how far out have you gone since you've been down here? Because, you know, you had areas in Port Charlotte, probably more, you know, in, in streams and pools. But here, obviously, you can go out to the Gulf if you get the opportunity on an off day. Oh, absolutely. I actually went yesterday on the off day uh, – go lower charter me and me and brandon snyder went out and his brothers had a great time just we did mostly inshore fishing i don't i got to be able to see the land i'm not <laughs> going that far out but uh it was a good time you know like i said it was just first time doing salt water and i actually did it a couple times with brandon during the spring training and we had a blast do you hunt too or or just a fishing guy in the off season i'm definitely a hunter i'd rather hunt than fish but uh i'm in a stand every day my wife kind of gets irritated with me sometimes, but, you know, it's the best time to go. I mean, it's the best sport to play for hunting because, I mean, the hunting season opens up right when this season ends. So, I mean, it's perfect. Now, you've got two kids, two girls. Have they gone out? Are you ever going to have them go out with you? Or Absolutely. I've been I've been working on my oldest one. She got a little uh, a Nerf gun crossbow, and we've been working on it. And, uh, I mean, she, we have a little, her little uh, playhouse out in the back, and we sit out there and watch the deer come in, try to – Make sure she stays quiet, you know. And then once she once she figures that out, she's going to come with me. She's how old now? She's four. She'll turn five in July. Keeping a four or five year old quiet is not the easiest task. <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm practicing with her right now to get it working. Mine are mine are ten and eleven, and I don't remember them being quiet too often when they were four and five. I can tell you that. How are they uh, like you? How are they like your wife? And are they gonna? You think they'll be interested in sports at some point too? They are my my oldest one. She actually does gymnastics, and she's really good. She's uh, she picked that up quick. I bought her a little gymnastics set, and she works on it every day downstairs. She loves it. Um, yeah, she's she's more like my wife, my oldest one, and then the youngest one's more like me. She's quiet, but she's she's got a quick temper if it's if something happens. But uh, she she's good. She's I want to get her into golf. I think she'd be a really good golfer. You, uh, you don't seem like, you said a little like you, but she's got a temper. You don't seem like a guy that has a temper, or do you? And, and you're pretty good at hiding it. It takes a lot for me to, to snap on something, but uh, once I get there, it's, it's kind of scary. But it takes a lot for me to get there. Let's hope we don't see it, at least in this interview, for sure. Hey, I'm curious, because I also get asked by fans, when did the cornrows, have you worn the cornrows before this year, or is this all new? I actually did it right before I came to spring training. Uh, it was my hair was at that point. It was at that stage where it was like I either cut it or I shave it. And my wife didn't want me to shave it, so I put it in a corn roll just to get it on my face, and I liked it, and she liked it, and then I just kind of brought it back the other day, and then got a lot of good feedback from it. So we'll see. It's gotten good feedback from the fans. So I, I'm guessing as long as you're pitching well, you keep it. Or are you are you superstitious when you play the game? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. As long as long as it's going well, I'm going to keep them. Well, let's let's hope then you have him for all season. That would certainly be good. How, what influence has Sergio Romo been on you? Um, because you're similar yet different. Because you throw a bit harder than him, but you're both very heavy slider. Yes, uh, I've talked to him a lot actually about uh, the slider point of the game. He uh, he has a, quite a few different looks on the slider. He has a big one, the slow one. He's got the the hard short one, and he's he's got the one that goes down, the one that goes side to side. 
And that's what I've been working on is the one, the slider that's going, has more depth to it than going side to side. And I think that's helped me out a lot the past past week or so. And uh, just picking his brand, because he's been there. He's been in situations, I mean, and I mean, he's been in the World Series, you know. I mean, he's he, he knows the pressure. He knows all that game. So just being able to have somebody like that to pick his brain and talk to him, it, it helps out a lot. I, I spoke with him on an earlier show about guys who influenced him, and certainly he's having an influence on you. But in going to the bullpen, were there other guys with other organizations that were very helpful, and and who in particular? Not really. I just kind of sat back and watched people, you know, try to learn, pick, oh, I like how he did that. I'm going to put that into my routine. Or, oh, I like how he did that. I'm going to put that in my routine. Um, I just sat back and watched people, how they how they mentally prepare themselves, how they got ready for the game. Because uh, it, it was a different different ball game going from starter to the pin. So I just sat back and watched people and then just picked pick from their routines and that I liked. You've been through so much in your career. Was there a point when you were dealing with the whole Laredo thing where you sat back and thought, am I doing the right thing right now? Should I keep doing this? Or, And was it that year that kind of turned the tide? Absolutely. Once uh, when, I, when I got went to Laredo, I actually was looking to go back to school and just, you know, I, I thought I was done. And then uh, I talked to my parents and they told me just just keep, keep giving it a shot and just see where it goes. And then, you know, Laredo came along and then I Ended up getting signed for uh, from uh, Arizona out of Laredo, and that kind of just turned my career around, to be honest with you. And I'm glad I stuck with it. No doubt. Uh, and you've been on an interesting ride ever since. I saw also in your bio that you at one point got to meet Michael Jordan too, right? That was with New York. Yeah, it was uh, in New York. It was in 2014. I was with Jeter's last year. I was with I started with Miami, and I got traded to New York at the last month of the season. So I got to see. The last month of Jeter's season, which was unreal, and I got to see a lot of a lot of cool people. Michael Jordan was there, and a couple other guys were there, so it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Best moment of your baseball life to this point was 100% that right there. That was that was that was unbelievable. Just uh, just as I mean, somebody like Derek Jeter, his he, I mean, he's an icon in this game, and he's been around for so long, and just to be there for his last games, was, it was unreal. Well, hopefully for you, there are many great moments here with the Rays. We appreciate some time on this week in Rays baseball. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That is Chaz Rowe, and we continue right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Well, we continue on this week in Rays baseball, and our guest right now at Fox Sports Sun is, De- is Restus Destrada. And, oh, you know, Rays have a chance now to really make something out of what has been a tough week with the injuries to KK and Matt Duffy with a chance to sweep Minnesota today. Uh, crazy. I mean, to think about uh, the beginning of the season, Neil, one and eight against the you know the top two teams uh, in in our division, arguably two of the, the strongest teams of the four I think uh, that are to watch in in the American League, uh, the Yankees, Boston, obviously Cleveland and Houston. Um, to come back from that, then come home off of a, a solid Chicago trip of taking two or three and getting swept by Philadelphia, which just kind of just like jarred us. Then the battle back, you know, take two or three of a, uh, of a, a little bit of a surging, you know, Rangers team. Uh, they had done a nice job in Houston. And then you, you take a team that's 8-5 and, 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 and a solid team in the American League in Minnesota, and you're on the precipice of sweeping. I think it's, it's a, you know, what I think is happening, Neil, is that they're settling in a little bit. They're, they're definitely not as bad as we started. We don't know where the, the, the you know, where it really could go. But this is a scrappy team. No doubt. And, uh, and a lot of it begins, I think, with starting pitching. And the starting pitching has started to get better. And I think Yanni Chirinos, now named a starter, 
has on a full-time basis for the time being has a chance really to establish himself a little bit here. I, I like the fact uh neil that they they have named him you know they basically have have given him that that one of the infamous uh bullpen you know deals uh he could kind of concentrate get his work in on on his bullpen day which was just recently uh on on the off day on thursday he came in and took care of business worked on you know the fact that his last start after two really pretty darn good you know rookie starts of five plus was sinker was up he just didn't have real good control with it but comes back and and i think this is a kid could be a real surprise this year um, and, and then you, you, the big three, the big three have really turned the table. Now we're seeing multiple good starts from the big three of Faria, um, you know, Archer. And what can you say about Blake Snell right now? He's really turning the corner. Well, one thing that certainly helps is infield defense. Yeah. And I really think even without Matt Duffy, the infield defense uh, this week has been terrific. Well, it's led by uh, a guy that I think is arguably the best all around shortstop in all of baseball there are maybe guys that are better with the backhand might have a stronger arm but nobody I think is all around better than Adania Cheveria as far as the you know the athleticism the acrobatic you know way that he can be and then you go around the infield uh, we know that Daniel Robertson can play pretty much any position uh, the kid is so good that he can start the game at second, switch over to the le- to the you know to the other side, the left, and that's not an easy thing to do because it's a different sight line, and he's very very good. Uh, so I, I'm really pleased. Uh, what a great job Joey Wendell has done, and uh, and Miller at first base can pick it over there too. So uh, I think we're fortified defensively. No doubt. And Wilson Ramos. I mean, the play he made yesterday on the bunt shows me how much quicker he is, and he's doing a better job receiving. I think his overall game is really starting to come around. Here's what I think is going to happen, too, when you really settle in. I think that is kind of the phrase that that this team needs to kind of really, you know, take in. And and settling in means, man, the beginning of the season was wicked. You know, tough schedule, tough weather. You know, you're still trying to figure yourselves out. There's a lot of new guys together, and as much as spring training does kind of bring you together – it's different when the season starts, and settling in to me means you got guys like Wilson Ramos who are who are on a uh, you know basically on a uh, you know on, on a any uh, big year for him. Adania Cheveria too. Uh, you can look at many guys that are veteran guys that are looking to have big years. So team pride, but also personal pride comes into play. You're going to see these guys. You know if they're in shape, and he is, are going to have. You know, come out years, and uh, and then you tack in the the youngsters, the Malik Smiths, uh, the Robertsons. Uh, you know, obviously Joey Wendell, I've mentioned before, I think is is phenomenal, and these guys are hungry for their own pride. The guy who's kind of stabilized things is really the guy at the top of the lineup right now in Denard Span. What can you say about the job that he's done? I think most impressive how how often he's come through with guys on base. Yeah, his RBI production right now has been outstanding. Uh, his RISP is is you know otherworldly lately. I mean, it's uh, up over 500. Um, He's not only Neil is he driving in runs, but I'm enjoying it. You're a baseball guy. The bats that he's having. I mean, he's working pitchers, fouling off tough pitches. I mean, this is, you know, Boston circa 2004 and 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 seven and 13. You know, when they were those guys, the Dustin Pedroia at bats. You know, the, the those tough grounded. You know, you can think of Jeter with those at bats. That's beautiful because a young guy can see that and go. All right, this is this is what I got to do. I got to study my pitcher, wait for my pitch, hit the ball where it's pitched. It's the rub off effect. It, it, I, I hope so. I mean, I, I really do. I think there's a little bit of a 
a good connection here of guys that have four to five to ten plus years in the big leagues, like a Carlos Gomez who's not hitting but hustling his butt off, uh, scoring a big tying run the other day. Uh, and then you have the guys that are under three or less years, both you know, offensively, everyday players, and pitching. And, and I think it really is rubbing off. There's no doubt a Sergio Romo affects a Chaz Rowe. Uh, and look at what that kid's doing. No doubt. Oh, good stuff. Thanks for joining us. You got it, buddy. Let's keep it going and see if we get a sweep. Indeed. Let's see if the Rays can get a sweep today against the Twins. Make it four straight wins. That is Arrestus Estrada of Fox Sports Sun. By the way, if the Rays do win, it also would give them a winning homestand. Before we continue, let us pause for station identification. You are listening to the Rays Baseball Network. This is 620 WDAE St. Petersburg. It is gone! WPTP HD3 Clearwater and 95.3 FM. Home of the Rays. We continue on this week in race baseball. It's time now to take a look at how things are going in the minors. And joining us from the AA Montgomery Biscuits is their manager, Brady Williams. Brady, thanks for joining us. Neil, good to be on. appreciate it. We're going to chat with Dewey Robinson a little bit later on some of the pitchers that are in uh, double and triple A. So I want to hit on some of your position players. Let's begin with Nick Solak. We saw him a little bit in spring training. He probably, through the first, what, two and a half, three weeks, has been your most consistent offensive player? Yeah, I would I would say that. I mean, he's uh, you know obviously we got him in a trade with with uh, the Yankees and just kind of getting familiar with him and his new teammates. I think he's kind of settled in nice, um, learning left field, uh, second base uh, combo. You know, he's played both. Um, seems seems to be handling it fairly well, um, but he's working hard uh, in both spots and, and offensively, he's done a nice job since uh, since day one. What do you have you liked about his offensive approach to this point? It uh, looks like he has a really good uh, plan at the plate. He, he looks like he, he knows what he wants to hit. Um, he hasn't really chased a whole lot out of the zone. Um, and then when he's had pitches to hit, he's driven them. Um, some lucky and some unlucky. Um, so, you know, just his, just the at-bats that he puts together uh, throughout the course of a game um, have been really good uh, since day one. Now, you mentioned that he's playing second base in left field. You've got another guy who's doing something similar who was an MVP in the Florida State League last year in Brandon Lau. Brandon's got off to a little bit of a slow start, I guess, from a number standpoint. How's it been, have, how have his at-bats been to this point? Yeah, I, was, I mean, I would say he's had some unluck uh, as well. Um, he's hit some balls hard right at guys. Uh, early in the season, the ball's really not caring like it will uh, come midsummer. Um, so he's hit, he's hit some balls deep to the to the wall that just uh, had been run down by the outfielders. Um, so I, I, you know, I would say the last couple of games he's shown signs of uh, putting together quality of bats. He's taken some walks, a um, couple doubles he's hit recently, um, and then just recently in, in left field he seems like he's taking it pretty good. He made a nice diving catch going towards the line uh, the other day. So uh, that combo as well with with, with both those guys has worked out. Uh, very good uh, early on. Let's touch on another infielder who's new to the organization, Jermaine Palacios. Uh, he came over from the Twins in the Jayco Rizzi trade. I know a lot of people liked what he did defensively in spring training. How's he looked so far to you? Yeah, I would say I would agree with that. I mean, I think that the defense right now is maybe a little bit ahead of the bat, but, you know, he's a young kid. Uh, same thing with Nick Solak. He's new to, new to his environment, new teammates, kind of learning the system and what's going on. So there's probably a lot to take in. Um, but it looks like a true shortstop, really good arm, uh, good hands. The one thing that stands out with him, he's got a really good game clock, understanding when he has to uh, quicken up and when it can uh, just kind of be easy. Um, offensively, he's shown some signs with, with uh, a little bit of pop in the bat. Um, he just hasn't done it consistently. 
right now looks to be a little free swinger. Uh, but as the course of the season goes on, hopefully he can work some more bats and, and get, get a get a better uh, uh, job of the strike zone. You know, one of the surprises, I think, in the Rays system is a kid who wasn't drafted, who played last year in oh. Australia after going through two, high, two A-ball levels. It's Mike Brasso. What have you liked so far about Mike? I know he moves around the diamond a lot. Yeah, he's played mostly third. Um, you know, the one thing that stands out with him is his bat. I mean, he... He, uh, he doesn't feel for it, that's for sure. He goes in there with one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to hit the ball as hard as you possibly can uh, under control, which is really uh, uh, a treat to see because uh, those kind of hitters are kind of few and far between. Um, and I can see why he's risen, risen to the, to the ranks so quickly, um, coming from Bowling Green last year. A little bit in Port Charlotte, then he had a nice uh, Australian uh, winter league, and then he's here now, and he's been a nice piece uh, to, our, to our team. Uh, he's gone out to a semi-slow start, but I can see him picking it up uh, uh, as the season comes on. Behind the plate, Brett Sullivan was known for more for his bat than his glove. Um, I know he had a, a big hit recently for you guys, and, and uh, I know defensively still a work in progress, but how has he been to this point? Yeah, you're right on. I mean, he's still working hard. In fact, there is a conversion guy. Um, he's definitely receiving better this year. The one thing that stands out with him this year is that in the past, he's had a catching day and a DH day. And this year, not that we've taken away the DH day, we just wanted to focus on catching. So pretty much when he plays, he catches. Um, and we're expecting him to catch 100-plus games um, by season's end. And um, it's going to be a learning curve for him uh, throughout the season, how he takes care of his body, ups and downs offensively, and handling the pitching staff. So there's a lot on his plate this, this season, but I think he's up for the challenge. Uh, and looking forward to hopefully talking to you at the end of the season and, and giving you an update on how he did uh, throughout the course of his double-A uh, season. One more infielder I wanted to make sure we touched on, and that's Dalton Kelly. He had a great year last year between high-A and double-A. I know he had a hand injury the end of last season. How's he been so far this year? Um, I think he's pressing right now. Um, he's a good hitter that's not hitting right now, so he's trying to do too much. Um, hopefully, you know, a day off helped him regroup and he can move forward here because he's a really good hitter and he's a really good player. Um, I think, um, you know, the slow start is, is only going to fuel him more to, to work harder and, and be better the rest of the season because he's going to be a big part of, of our success. And um, even for him, I, th- I can see him moving up this year. Hopefully he gets a triple A by the end of the season because he's, really uh, he's a really good player. Two infielders we touched on their play in the outfield in Nick Solak and also Brandon Lau, but I want to also mention two guys who are true outfielders. Tommy Malone has always been known as a defensive guy. His numbers so far this year are really good offensively. Has there been anything different from you? Yeah. Um, I saw in spring training we, we had discussed it uh, just with amongst the staff how much how much quicker his bat speed is, how much better his bat path is, and um, he's gotten a lot stronger. Uh, maybe the, the, the maturation of player development is kind of coming through this year. He looks like he's turning into a man, and – you're kind of seeing that with the bat. I mean, he's he's driving the ball to all fields. He has he has had a few bunt hits, but majority of his his hits has been driven balls. Um, and it's uh, it's good to see uh, early on in the season because, like you said, he's he's been known for his defense first. And another guy who's I, I think probably known more as an all-round type player who had a really good year in the Florida State League is Ryan Bolt. Um, he had a, a really a breakthrough season last year. What's what's his first couple weeks in Double A been like? Yeah, just a quick look. I mean, I saw him a little sparingly in spring training. I really haven't been around him much, just kind of trying to get to know him. Um, his last few games have been really good. You know, you're starting to see 
at least I was told I'm starting to see the real Ryan Bowl come through because <laughs> early on he, he hasn't been, I guess, the guy that was, was there in Port Charlotte, but he's, the last few games, his at-bats have been outstanding. He's, he's, he's had some hard outs, worked some walks, had some big hits for us, um, and then just try, trying to keep him healthy because he's, he's had a little quad injury recently and just trying to keep him on the field as much as we can. Well, hopefully that's the case for him and success for him and many others as we go. Brady, I appreciate a few minutes on This Week in Race Baseball. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. That is the AA manager for the Rays organization, Brady Williams of the Montgomery Biscuits. Now, coming up on This Week in Rays Baseball, you hear from a longtime Rays employee. We'll look back at Johnny Field's first week in the majors and much, much more. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back. Neil Solange with you. This is This Week in Rays Baseball, and it is time now for our latest feature on 20-year employees in this 20th anniversary season. Hi, I'm Robert Bennett, Director of Ticket Operations for the Rays, and I started October 1st, 1996. I worked with the uh, baseball team. I was here at the stadium as a box office manager, and I did a lot of work with Mr. Nermoli and his group when the Giants were coming. So I kind of worked about two years before that with them. Uh, it was exciting finally getting offered the position officially. And uh, the first day, it was really kind of status quo because it was a continuation of what I was already doing. Tell me what's been the most or best part about working with the Rays all this time. Uh, the best part, one, are the friends I've made here. Uh, two, working in Major League Baseball. Is, you know, it's a great opportunity. A lot of people dream about doing it, and we're living the dream. Tell me what's your greatest personal accomplishment during your time here with the Rays. We deal with ticketing software, and we've changed ticketing softwares three times during my tenure here. So each time we change, it's always a new challenge. And to be able to do it seamlessly is something we strive for and knock on wood each time we've done it. What's your best memory of what's occurred on the field, and um, where were you when that best moment happened? Me personally, it was when we beat the Red Sox in game seven. Uh, I was up on the deck by the uh, conference rooms and the energy in this building was just incredible. Favorite ballpark food? The, uh, the nachos here are incredible. It's way too much, but it's incredible. What do you put on your hot dog? I'm from the South. I put mayo on my hot dog. Sorry. <laughs> Favorite baseball movie? Bull Durham. If you could do one thing to better the game of baseball, what would you do? Shorten the season, personally, but <laughs> uh, speed up the game. That's all. It, it, it's, it's been for over 100 years working. So, you know, to change it, it's not right. What is one thing that makes you unique that you have not mentioned? I would say I, I'm fortunate that I've had two members on my staff for all 20 years. Uh, Ken Mallory and Karen Jones, and uh, it just it makes my job easier having them here, and uh, they're a big part of my life. And that is Robert Bennett, one of our 20-year employees, and congrats to him on 20-plus years with the race and many more to come. Now, last week on the show, you heard from the very popular and exciting outfielder Carl Crawford. It was Sam Fold who was one of the first to replace Crawford in the outfield. Super Sam now on the Philly staff. And when they came to visit last weekend, I asked Sam about his first full-time role in the majors that doesn't involve playing and how he's enjoying it. Well, I'm loving it. And it's um, in part because I'm doing a lot of 
different things. You know, it's a bit of a hybrid position between coaching and some front office work. So I've got been tasked with handling our outfielders. So I work with our outfielders on a daily basis and um, both, you know, in terms of positioning and just actual outfield work um, that takes up a good chunk of my day. But then there's um, just a lot of the analytical work that I do, sort of a bridge between our analytics group and our players and coaches. And I love it. It's something. It's a part of the game that's always interested me. And um, it's you know one-on-one conversations. It's occasional group meetings with with guys. Um, but it's just making them feel more and more comfortable with some of the evaluation methods that we use, um, and also just finding ways for them to improve on the field. How much? I know you're a bright guy. You went to Stanford. But how much of what in the way you view the game now? was shaped by your time with Tampa Bay? I think it was a lot. I certainly had interest going, you know, prior to my time here, but the information that I was exposed to here certainly had a large part in sort of fueling my desire to learn more and more. Um, it was pretty awesome. I mean, I got a, some level of exposure to some of the decision-making here and just some of the ways that they they find to, to improved player performance and so that was yeah I I think that definitely had a pretty huge impact on how I thought about the game um, going forward what do you want to do going forward you know Gabe Kapler who obviously was with the Rays prior is now managing you're kind of quasi coaching quasi analytical do you have a preference where eventually you want to veer um I don't know I mean I think I certainly leaned more towards uh the front office side going into this process but you know I'm still I'm only four or five months into this job and I and I think I have a lot of learning to do and I have been really excited by some of the on-field impact and um, experience that I've had in this short time so I'm, I'm not real I'm not willing to rule out one or the other I, I enjoy both they're, they're different animals um, but I, I just know that it's so early on in the process that I don't I don't really know what I want to do going forward do you miss the playing field or being on the playing field a lot? And how hard was it to kind of separate and move on to the non-playing portion of the career? You know, I, I miss it a little bit, but I, I'll be completely honest when I say, like, I don't miss it a ton. Um, you know, I think it was it's constant stress. And I think the position that I was always in as a player was always kind of battling for either uh, a spot on the roster or battling for playing time. It, it's stressful. So I don't miss that part of it. I miss, um, you know, sort of the camaraderie, but I do get that being being in the clubhouse every day here with the Phillies. So um, in part, the, the injury that, that took me off the field, it was almost a blessing because I, I, I don't have to, you know, constantly think about what if, what should I, should I try to keep playing? There's no... There's no decision making in that regard for me. I can't throw a baseball, so um, I don't have to. I don't have to think about what it, you know whether I should be playing or not. So it's uh, it's been a really, all in all, a smooth transi- transition, and it's been a ton of fun so far. How different are things with Philadelphia from an analytical standpoint compared to let's tam- say Tampa Bay in in the big picture? Well, I think, you know, I think we're trying to, in some ways, close the gap. I think we were. Um, you know, I think our previous regime was a little less analytically inclined. So we've um, certainly weren't doing things that Tampa has been doing for for a long time now. So we are, in, in a lot of ways, 
playing catch up, but we are we have an incredible group of people, um, our R and D group and front office and baseball operations um, department is just awesome, top to bottom, and we're closing that gap pretty quickly. I feel confident. You know, as a former player, I'm kind of curious your take. There's so much analytics out there, but you still want to make sure that the players are not thinking out there and still reacting. How do you find that fine line, and how much as a player can you help relay that so that they believe in in what they're getting, but they also just play the game too? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that's that's a challenge. There's not a perfect answer to that, but I look at last night as a as a really good example. Um, you know, Danny Echeverria lines out to Odubel, who's playing pretty pretty far over in right center field, and that was a combination of the information that we gave him you know literally looking in his back pocket at his card and also um he he took it upon himself to move back a couple steps he felt like just putting himself in a better position and a lot of that is instinctual so we definitely stress the importance of trusting your instincts but also trusting that sort of big sample size of, of information that we give them so um you know, there's not a in terms of outfield positioning. There obviously is not a wind factor here, but just about every other place we go, um, we talk about you know using that that outfield card as a starting point, and then when things like wind affect um, the game, then you bake that in as well in your decision making. So much it seems is focused on run prevention today. Some some of the stuff that you're doing. How does the hitter? respond and and when how can the hitter kind of take back because there's so much done with shifts with the way positioning occurs with the way people can pitch you and the defense has the ball first that eventually there's got to be some way to kind of make an adjustment yeah and I think I think as a, a casual fan maybe doesn't appreciate how hard it is to make that adjustment you see an entire side of the infield wide open and a fan might say, well, why doesn't he just hit a ground ball to the, to the other other side? And it's just not that easy. It's really hard. I spent my whole life trying to hit ground balls to the left side, and I, and I couldn't do it. Um, so, you know, I think hitters are adapting in some ways by, you know, there's certainly an increased importance on elevating the ball. And you, one thing I know is you can't defend the ball that lands in the seats. So uh, that's one way that guys are um, sort of attacking it and, and just generally hitting – more fly balls, uh, I think, is a pretty sound approach. And you know, certainly a, um, an infield shift can't really affect um, balls that go in the air. And so that's part of what makes my, my job regarding outfield positioning really exciting is there are more and more balls being elevated and hit to that outfield. And that is former Rays fan favorite Sam Fold, who's now working with the outfielders in Philadelphia. Now this week, Rays outfielder Johnny Field made his Major League debut, and I asked Johnny to reflect on his first week in the majors. When it happened, I didn't see it happening at all. So in terms of calling everyone back home, family and everything, and seeing who could all come out, it was just crazy how fast it all came uh, to fruition. So it's been very exciting. Um, obviously something you, you dream of your whole life, and it's been your goal your entire career. And for it to finally be here now and get the opportunity to go out and try to make the most of it, it's, it's a really exciting time for me. What's been the best part of the week? Best part? Um just the feeling of uh, knowing I'm kind of going out and, and living my dream and something you want to do as a kid and, and getting that opportunity to go out and, and play with a bunch of great teammates that I, I, I've known throughout the last couple of spring trainings and, and go out there and, and try to help them win games and, and kind of get that chemistry with them. It's, it's been really exciting. 
has it meant more do you think to you or your family who's been here to watch this um man I'd, I'd say probably equal I mean my parents both know how competitive I am and how goal goal oriented I am and wanting something and, and trying to go get it but I mean they've put so much so much effort and so much dedication and time into me that it's just as rewarding for them because without them I wouldn't even be close to being here in what ways tell me obviously your dad was a former professional athlete obviously he provided a ton of support he was a coach too and, and I'm sure your mom did a whole lot of supporting as well yeah I mean my dad my dad from an early uh early age my brother and I were born he made a commitment to himself that he was going to put us first and uh whether that mean took instead of focus on work he'd rather focus on raising us and so from every sport, we, I played soccer as a kid, I wrestled, I played football, I played baseball. He was always my head coach in whatever sport it was. Always was the guy that was like, hey, let's go to the gym tonight and get a workout when my other buddies were going out to a movie or something and always trying to push me to kind of make some goals and reach them. So he's, and same with my, my brother, my younger brother, he was the same way with him. And then my mom, she was just, she's been a nurse her whole life and so she works long 12-hour shifts and she knows that when we're on club ball trips that it costs a lot of money to go do that stuff. So she was very, very uh, sacrificial in terms of doing whatever it took where we can have what we wanted. And, um, I mean, she would always be at every single Little League game of mine, every single high school game. They never missed a game. So, yeah, just as, uh, just as special for them for sure. When you were standing on second base after that first double, were you thinking about any of that kind of stuff or what went through your mind after that first hit? Yeah, you know, I mean, at the time, I think it was a one- or two-run game, so I was just, right when I hit it, I was like, all right, well, let's get ready to score here, so I hit the base hit. But then as I was standing out there, Kingery was out there, he said something like congratulations, and I kind of thought to myself, like, wow, like, it's, it's my first hit in the big leagues. It's been a long time coming for this moment, and it's it kind of felt surreal. In terms of this week, you're here. You grew up in Vegas. You battled your way through college and then the minor leagues. And two guys you know pretty well are on the other side in Joey Gallo and Drew Robinson. How strange and, and nice has it been at the same time to, to face them? Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, I hit with those guys all offseason in Vegas. So, I mean, like every pretty much every day we're at the bat, batting cages or out on a field hitting together and, and know each other pretty well. We've known each other for a long time. So it's pretty crazy that, yeah, my first series against the Phillies, who I knew Kingery pretty well, and now the second series against two guys where it's – it's like, what are the chances that the one or two teams you have in a play happen to have guys that you're really close with? So it's good to catch up with them and uh, kind of see how they're doing and, and how things are going with them. I'm sure you've gotten a lot of neat messages, texts, phone calls. Are there any that really stand out? Because you can't have everyone come see you when you make your big league debut. I mean, it's no, I've, I've had an like overwhelming amount of support from everyone back home, friends, family, uh, fellow coaches. Um, I made sure to try to call as many people as I could. I obviously haven't got back to everyone yet, but I've been trying my best to get back to everyone and, and give them calls and, and thank the people that I needed to thank that helped got me here. But uh, it's it's been incredible. I've never got this amount of support in my whole life. Can you put a number on how many calls, responses you got? Uh, man, I mean, just I mean, from texting to people on social media and stuff like that, it's, it's definitely over 100, if, if not 200, something like that. I have, I have no idea. I, I couldn't put a good guess on it, but it's, it's, it means a lot to me, and it's very, very overwhelming and humbling. And in terms of going forward, obviously you got here. Now your goal is, I assume, to stick. What are the things that you need to do to be able to do that? Uh, I think just go out and continue to uh, kind of play my game. I think my game is go out and uh, – 
find a way to make something happen in that game every night, whether it's whether it's making a play on defense or coming up with a big hit or or stealing a base late in a game, something like that. Just that's how I try to play the game and be well rounded and uh, just be a good good teammate and uh, a guy that everyone can count on to make a play when the time's needed. And that is Johnny Field and Rays minor league staff members are thrilled for the Rays outfielder and hoping more Durham Bulls earn the chance to help at the major league level. I asked the pitching coordinator, Dewey Robinson, about the double and triple A clubs since he's seen them both, starting with Anthony Bonda. Well, I had the opportunity to see uh, his first two starts, actually, and very impressive. Uh, big, strong kid, left-handed, uh, good live arm. It's, it's, it's exciting to see what we have there in the future. Um, I think he struck out like 16 in 10 innings or something didn't walk anybody so that's that's impressive to start with but just going to work on his uh his off-speed stuff trying to get a little more depth on his slider a little more consistency and that's just with any young pitcher but um excited to see what we got in him no doubt um and there's some other guys that certainly are intriguing on that triple a club some have already been here to this point but You've got Diego Castillo, who's the reliever of the year. What makes him so impressive? Well, first of all, his approach and attitude. He's he's uh, very confident, aggressive. He fills up the strike zone. I would call it a power sinker, um, which is kind of unique. You know, he's in the mid to high 90s and really good sink on it. And a, a slider, you can call it a slider, but it's got a lot of depth. And he's a, he's a two-pitch guy, but really two really plus pitches and fills up the strike zone. I think the fans here will be excited when they see this guy come in. Jamie Schultz is a guy we've heard a lot about because he came so close to making the big league roster last year, uh, yet because of injury he didn't pitch hardly at all last season. And I understand he's starting to look more like the Jamie Schultz that you guys were hoping for this year. Yes, I think he's finally over all the injuries he's been plagued with. He flew through our system, one of the fastest guys, and went from level to level and even skipped a level at one point. But he's battled groin, hip, all kinds of uh, issues there. And what I was encouraged with last week was the velocities up, the the velocity on his curveball is, is really good, the sharp on the break. Uh, and he's letting the ball go, so there's no more limitations from, from his lower half. And... He's one of those guys, I guess, who could become a multi-inning reliever, or, or is he a short reliever? I was kind of curious because the Razor, obviously, it's almost like there are three buckets now, starters, longer relievers, shorter relievers. Well, at this point, he's a short reliever, and we're just trying to get him back on the mound because he's missed so much time and get him in the strike zone, get him confidence. And I think, uh, you can't hold me the, to this, but we would push him into a more of a multi-inning guy if that goes well. You know, a lot of it depends on how he's doing, the situation and stuff like that. But the encouraging part is that he's healthy and we're kind of seeing what we thought we'd see a couple years ago. And I would think that's kind of, you have to evaluate that, whether they're in, I would assume double and triple A is where guys start to separate themselves into those roles? Yes, and we've done that with a couple guys, um, mainly... Uh, with our double-A club, um, this this guy we got in a trade, Matt Crook, a left-hander with really good stuff, um, he's in that role now, and he's pitched twice in uh, long relief where he's gone four innings at a time. Now, that's a little extreme, but he's, he's going to be in that multi-inning role that um, 
can be very effective. And he's got a pretty live arm, from what I understand. Yes, um, a lot of movement. Uh, you know, I talked about Diego's sinker. This kid's got um, really good life on his fastball and a hard slider. Almost, <laughs> you know, now that I think of it, very similar to Diego, not that degree, but he's left-handed and it has that kind of movement. Speaking of left-handed, you have a couple other lefties that are interesting at the AA level. One is a starter in Genesis Cabrera. Cabrera's uh, off to a flying start. We're really excited about this young kid. I believe he's 21 years old at the at this point, but uh, four-pitch mix, fastball, curveball, cutter, change. Um, our pitching coach in AA, uh, R.C. Lichtenstein, is doing a wonderful job with him getting them to mix in a lot more change-ups to get him to be a pitcher. I mean, he can climb to 97 miles an hour, um, but gets a little out of control. So he's learning how to get all standard control and still be able to pitch, but um, has, is off to a real good start for us. One other guy I wanted to ask about, a lefty, um, because he was not protected, but um, I know the organization thought highly of him, and that's Travis Ott, who kind of finished really, really well the end of last year. Is he a multi-inning guy? What is he now? Because I know he started and relieved for you. He's, he's done both, but at this point in time, he's in, he's in double A. He's a multi-inning guy. Um, it's very unique. He's pretty much a self-made pitcher. If you had a chance to see him on video or, or anything, he has a real high leg kick. He goes over his head. First of all, he's like 6'5", 180 pounds, but uh, will take take his leg up over his head, and then he'll slide step the next time, and he throws from a, a low three-quarter angle. So he's very unique in that sense when – when he's in the strike zone, he's he's tough to hit, whether they're lefty or righty. So we're excited about him, too. And special thanks to Dewey Robinson, Rays minor league pitching coordinator, and all of the guests on today's show, whether it's Chaz Rowe, Arrested Estrada, Fox Sports Sun, Montgomery manager Brady Williams, Rays outfielder Johnny Field, and also longtime Rays employee Robert Bennett. Of course, if you ever have something you want to hear on our show, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solance. Now, next week's program includes interviews with infielder Joey Wendell, and much, much more. For my producer, Jason Berenger, Neil Solon, stay, stay tuned for the Rays pregame show. Rays and Twins coming up. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network.